The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Good afternoon, you are tuned to Ice Topica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is me, Simon Tishko, and on today's sonic detour around the cultural life of this European city. Ha! Um, we're doing something slightly more unusual, which is me in conversation with um, Austrian gallerist Tadeus Ropak. Um, this came about, I met many years ago I had one of my collectors was buying things from his gallery as well and I was introduced to the Ropak gallery way back when and as a practicing artist myself my relationship with the business side of the art world is like most people's relationship with the business side of the art world or the mechanics or the industry of the art world is a strange and unusual one. Referencing Hans Abing's rather sensational book Why Are Artists Poor? which is an examination of the strange and unusual economics of the art world. Um, I have found along with my work in photography my commercial side is also open to much question and confusion and a point of much research within my own practice. Eh, possibly next week or in the new season of Ice Topic, I'll be talking with Zelda Cheetle, one time gallerist of the Zelda Cheetle Gallery and the person who rocketed the London Photographers Gallery into its present position right at the centre of the International Photography Fine Art World. And I will be examining these strange breaks and fractures and peculiarities and the different relationships that artists have within the world. But today is a conversation with Tadeusz Ropak. Uh, Tadeusz was a one-time pupil of Joseph Boyce, um, one of the major and most interesting of artists from the 20th century. Um, and this somehow reflects, to a certain degree, in the work Tadeus does as a gallerist. Um, whether or not I was able to capture that, as my listeners will all know, I am not a journalist, but an artist experimenting and investigating within the world. Um, I'm not sure how that is revealed within this programme, but nevertheless, it's an interesting conversation. It's one of the more interesting galleries by far in Europe and certainly amongst the cynical London art world. Uh, the Ropak Gallery is to be a new arrival at some time, maybe this year or in next year. I'm not sure when that gallery will be opening. Um, I felt somewhat out of my depth when doing this interview and recording and conversation, shall we say, and I almost found myself saying, so Tadeus, what's your favorite color? But nevertheless, it's an interesting broadcast, one I'd like to share with you all. I've included words by Joseph Boyce. There's some Marcel Duchamp. We have John Lennon. We have Yoko Ono and various other sounds 
musics and noises to create an isotopica sonic detour. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, details of which can be found on my website, www.theculture.net. See you there, hashtag isotopica on Twitter. Pin back your ears and enjoy Simon Tishko in conversation with Tadeus Ropak. I've come to see you in, this is the gallery where I first met you, in Paris, and your, our conversation, it's just part of a general conversation around the position of arts in the world, nothing big, but also from the personal level. Very simple question to start off with, it's almost like, what's your favourite colour, but why do you just, you start this, this journey, the journey you're on? Well, I was, when I was a very young man, um, I had not much to do with art, so it was not part of my upbringing or part of my background. Um, and I had a kind of almost shock experience when I walked into an exhibition in Vienna and saw an installation of Joseph Beuys, which was just, had been acquired by the Museum of Modern Art in Vienna and which made a huge scandal because it was difficult to understand. It was basically um, an installation of a piece of um, a piece of metal on the floor and some kind of wet clothes hanging on top of it. And it kind of irritated me and it kind of angered me, but it also fascinated me and did not let me go. And uh, I I was sure that it has something really important in its meaning, otherwise I would not mm. expect this in such an institution like a museum. And uh, so I started to read about Beuys and I went to hear his lectures. He was very connected to Vienna at the time and he basically came from Düsseldorf. And um, I felt, you know, I, this, is, this is a part of the of our society I would not want to miss and mm -hmm. first I thought I'd like to become an artist and I went to Düsseldorf I wanted to study with boys but I realized soon that that I I didn't feel the gift of producing art but then I wanted to stay in this world and I didn't see my role I tried to become an assistant I did an internship with boys you know when he did this famous exhibition in 1982 in Berlin, um, Zeitgeist, so I was part of the team who installed it. Incredible. Norman Rosenthal at the time did the exhibition, so that's the way I met Norman, who I became very close later on then. And, um, and the next step was Documenta in Kassel in the same year. And, and this kind of grew the desire of staying very really close to the artist and as I didn't get any job I just decided I will open my gallery very naive very <laughs> hands-on very mm -hmm. small of course and um, mm -hmm. uh, the reason I went to Salzburg was because Kokoschka used to live in Salzburg and he founded the Academy there and he wrote a little book which was called the school of looking and he declared something 
as radical as Boyce did, maybe in a kind of less radical form, but he was much older and he was a painter who was less kind of conceptual in its political mm -hmm. um, meaning. But he said that everybody has the potential to do art and mm -hmm. everybody should have the right to do art. And kind of this brought me to Salzburg, you know, I wanted to figure out this place where this academy works. And, and um, then I started in 1983 to have my gallery there. Mm -hmm. That's, you've, you've already touched on, I mean, to, for you to start with Joseph Boyce is fantastic because he's, he's, he's a reference point, I think, of, of, of the kind of art I, I know that I'm interested in with this investigation. This, the, the, the pure, the conceptual, but sort of very political. It's very, very difficult to, to turn about. Um, Oscar Kokoschka, that's a, that's a surprise. You, you, you get mm -hmm. it from there. It's beautiful. So how did, how did this develop? Because for, with Resonance we broadcast, you know, we're in London, as you know, it's a city with so many artists and so much thing. And the, one of the things you stated at the beginning was that you were very confused by the work of Boyce, but you knew it had something because of the context. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, if you're confronted with boys and you're not familiar with contemporary art at all, mm. it has to confuse because there's no yes. way that you get the gravita and, and the meaning, you know, by just looking at these objects. But it's something which kind of grabs you and which kind of oozes, you know, mm. a deeper meaning. And I think this is with a lot of art. At the end of the day, there's very little great art which kind of... Um, shows itself immediately with all the the meaning which is attached to it. So mm. sometimes people think they can look at the painting and uh, figurative painting, which you can read more easily mm -hmm. and understand it as easy as they think. And I think it is much more complex than that. And cool. it doesn't really mean that it is much easier to read because. Mm. Uh, each artist has his own universe and within this universe he has his language and mm. he develops a language which is often recognizable and is part of a kind of overall um, body of work which develops over many years and um, um, it needs a certain kind of um, openness first to get and try to understand it um, but more important also um, the real meaning of understanding you know you really have to invest time and and energy to really go on the ground of it but then it is much deeper and much better and much stronger and much more enjoyable and, and yeah well, it's 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 again the, the great art is multi-layered yeah 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 yeah, yeah, Nee, 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 nee. 
Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. Ya, 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 ya. Ne, 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 ne. And of course, within the artists that you work with, I mean, you're in a fantastic position because um, you have artists like Anselm Kiefer with the incredibly complex language. Very, his his he's more than a universe, isn't he? Mm. The world he mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. Have you been to his studio? The, in, oh, many times. I go there every I, ten I days. I've seen the documentary. I love this mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Okay. I must be careful not to be a fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's there. Um, and so you have, uh, and on the other side, you have an artist like Warhol that you represent, who very much the idea of the, the great democratization. And although Warhol himself is very apolitical in many respects, I think his body of work is very, very political, but in, that it leads us to where we are today. And the passion you came into this with, do you still maintain that passion? Well, it's a different one, but I always say I was scared that this passion might turn into pure professional professionalism, and yeah. and I think so far so good. I'm, I'm quite close to the uh-huh. artist. I think this is the most important um, in my job, but also in my passion into my mm-hmm. living this job. Um, but I think we never can be too sure of it because, of course, in today's world. You know, a gallery is now more and more a kind of company also, and sometimes a bigger company. We're yeah. having 80 people working in this gallery, so this Incredible. is quite a team, and which means structures and meetings and a lot of um, building infrastructures. And, mm-hmm. and, and this kind of definitely takes you away from the source. It takes you away from the artist because I always say every minute I spend too much in meetings and in, in, in kind of infrastructure is the minute I lose with the artist. But it is unavoidable. I think we're mm. living in a world where this 
kind of business model as a gallery is has to survive and um, we cannot be naive because otherwise we definitely do not succeed and um, but I think you have to find a balance between what you need to do um, in terms of running also a company mm -hmm. and what you definitely need to do in keeping the trust of your artist and mm -hmm. and um, working with them as close as possible yeah okay I mean with um as I'm saying, with, with many of the other people that listen to Resonance FM, with the great community of artists, that we're um, the very left field to an extent. And we see, and speak for myself, but also within Resonance, we see the, we talked about the context that the work was within. And the gallery system that creates the context, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz. And you know, when you pull back the curtain, and, and you see, mm -hmm. and yet you're able to maintain, to, to be seeing people like Kiefer at work and things. It's really, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's a curious thing. And the language, um, much like theoretical physics and particle physics, how it's so vital, even our iPhones rely on this, and yet we don't know this language at all, but the language of art. So, it's, I think, a great deal of the, the, the way the market, maybe neoliberal market, the art market has spread. It doesn't seem, um, with your approach, it seems much fresher and you're still connected with the artist. Have you seen the way the market's grown as being something that disappoints you or excites you? No, I think, you know, in general, it's a positive thing because the bigger this market gets, the more present it will be. And I've seen in 30 years to move the art world from an ivory tower to the middle, to the center of life. So it is a good thing. But any of these developments also has many risks involved and many kind of negative side effects. And, um, and then you always have to weigh in if you kind of put all of this in total you know is it a good thing or is it a bad thing and mm -hmm. i think so far we have weathered it well and i think growth also meant much more attention much more and you know if i think today more people go to museums than to football stadiums who had yeah. who would ever have imagined this i think it became something where people are really finding their place in their contemporary world. It's, I think it's art, besides many other things, but I think it is definitely something which has taken center stage and that's mm. good. And the artists are respected. They're not the clowns of society. They're people mm. people usually look up to and expect something, you know, integrity and, and a message sometimes, sometimes also some almost a kind of equivalent of their religious feeling. Mm. So I think there's a lot involved in, in what art can do with people. Yeah? Of course. I mean, the, um, the religious, the notion of the religious, it's almost the, it's almost a parody of when we think, you know, modernism, the great things that, that with uh, Greenberg and Pollock were building towards mm -hmm. this international language. And, um, 
as you say with the visitors, the Tate Modern, for instance, in London, it just has millions and millions and millions of visitors, more than our royal family, you know, all this, this crazy stuff that goes on. Um, yet the spectacle of the art world, the, and with Tate, especially, it's a, you know, the very large-scale spectacle, and I wonder, as an artist, how much of this um, is really working. How do you kind of maintain that? Because with the number of artists that you represent, and you work with younger artists, other artists, it's it's not a very clear question. Just I think in London, especially, there's a degree of cynicism around the art world. Yeah, I think it was always part of the art world. Warhol kind of invented it, or reinvented it. He invented, he reinvented it. Mm -hmm. Duchamp maybe invented it and reinvented it. So I think you can go back very, very long um, to look where a certain cynicism. If you know, we are having Hieronymus Bosch at the moment. It's his big anniversary uh -huh. and. We all know how religious he was, but mm -hmm. I find it very, very cynical also, his language and the way he used it and um, his descriptions of heaven and hell. Um, I think it's part of, of our time, it's part of human being and society, mm -hmm. therefore it has to be part of the art world also. Yeah. It's, that makes sense, that makes sense. And you, you talk about Duchamp, because Duchamp also was, well, he was a gallerist himself and such, and he dealt in a lot of art there. Yeah. And this interesting crossover, yeah, the, the mechanics of the art world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things that we, of course, are tremendously interested in is the whole idea of the ready-made. We're familiar with the concept of junk sculpture. This is something that such artists as Stankiewicz and even Picasso in earlier days more or less advanced. Yeah. To pick up an object which was made for an entirely different use, possibly a discarded object, which because of its shape and its patination, its configuration, suggests another possibility. It may be a very satisfying texture, a very romantic kind of quality about the piece. In other words, it became a kind of chosen object, but chosen for aesthetic reasons. In what respect does junk sculpture differ from the concept of the ready-made? Let's say, for example, the bottle rack or the bicycle wheel. This was, of course, the difficulty when it came to my mind, but that was back in 1915 when I applied the word ready-made to these objects. In fact, I only made 13 of them in my life in 40 years, so it's not very much of an occupation but even so even so I mean the, the fact of choosing of selecting and deciding on one was the result of being very careful about not using my sense of beauty or my belief in some aesthetics or some kind in other words finding some object of complete indifference as far as aesthetics are concerned and uh, that indifference is very difficult because there's always some detail in any object that will attract you aesthetically, meaning that you will find it beautiful or even ugly. 
which is the same thing. Ugly or beautiful is the same thing when it comes to choosing an object in the form of a ready-made. By ready-made also the idea was being made by either manufactured or made by another person can be a ready-made too, you see. I even remember signing a big painting in a restaurant for the pleasure of uh, calling it ready-made, you see, and it, of course it was not manufactured. <laughs> so, of course, I couldn't take the painting with me because it was, it was attached to the wall. But this explains that the difficulty is to make people understand that it was not through an attraction of the beauty of the object that I would call it ready-made. That's why I made so few, because after a certain while, anything becomes beautiful. You know, it takes 40 years sometimes for my, uh, what is it called, the bottle rack to become very, people say, it's so beautiful, and it's the worst compliment they can give me. <laughs> Tell me about the art fairs, because I remember, whenever I go to an art fair, the, the big art fair, you're, you're one of the few gallerists, you're really present, you're very, very present at the art fairs, not just the gallery representative, but you spend a lot of time there. Yeah, it's a bit less now, I haven't been to Hong Kong this year, okay. um, and sometimes I, I'm leaving after the first day. It became a huge machinery, and um, mm. I always say, I would hope people would judge us about the exhibitions we do and not about our art fair booth because we have these huge galleries, you know, multiple galleries um, where we try to do exhibitions on the best possible level mm -hmm. and invite the audience to participate and to come and see and then more and more of this audience prefers to go to an art fair where you know, the light is bad, the floor is bad, the walls are shopping mediocre, market, and, yeah. um, and it became such an important part of our activity. And we're still happy that we do still much more in the gallery than in art fairs in terms of turnover and so. But when I hear that some galleries do more than half of their turnover in, in art fairs, I find it's it's the, it's, a, it's the wrong direction, it's the wrong development because, you know, art deserves still the great space of a perfect gallery. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and if this is vanishing towards, you know, a kind of exciting event which, hap which happens in different cities for a couple of days every year, um, I think we're taking away something which gave us the base for it, so yeah. I think we have to be really careful, you know, how we treat this. Yeah, it's, it's, I remember the first freeze in London, it was, it was almost euphoric because it was, it, it was so right, it just worked yeah. so perfectly and that euphoria has been replaced, yeah. so replaced. About three years ago I was going to be doing um, a broadcast, something, just, just a freeze, you know, for the radio and I thought about it. And in all honesty, I couldn't really do it. I just felt I can't do this honestly. Mm. And I actually stayed at home in bed and did a live broadcast from underneath my duvet with a torch, like a child reading children's books. And I said, now this is my presentation of Freeze because it was a reaction against, I think, what Freeze, Freeze became. But nevertheless, it's, it's, it's an important event. Yeah, I think, I think it would be naive to try to, you know, 
put time back, you know, no, 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 you no, can't. No, no, but no, we no, still, no. I insist that our main activity is in the galleries, that our best shows are in the galleries, that we insist also for certain collectors to come to the gallery if they want to see our work. Um, and we don't make everything accessible in an art fair. Mm -hmm. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've not wanted to work with a collector? Just out of interest. Yes, I think so. so you know, that we have to refuse also um, so-called collectors if we don't feel right. <laughs> I think so we are. Yeah, because yeah. today it's it's not so clear anymore. There are many who look for investment vehicles. Mm -hmm. They try to see art as a kind of asset class. And yeah. I have to say, if people spend a lot of money, there's a certain uh, responsibility attached to it. So I think it would be too naive to say, well, art is art and money is money. So if art has a high price, you know, there is a certain way, mm -hmm. uh, a correct way to look at it, how this money is spent. Yeah. And um, but if the motivation of just investing uh, your money for a profit is the motivation, the main motivation, then it becomes more complicated and then I think we have to stand up and to also refuse that certain certain uh, collectors or investors get very important works. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I was reading um, an article recently talking about the art, uh, the art business now has been one of the few remaining unregulated money markets along with drugs and arms sales in the art world. It's, it's no, this is not correct. Is this is not correct. It's just not correct because um, the rules in the art business are very strict, mm -hmm. you know, um, at least in Europe. Yeah. Um, the different countries are looking very carefully how this is done, you know, so I think, you know, we have constant controls in France or in Austria. So our experience is that the art world is very much closely watched by, mm -hmm. by the different tax institutions. Um, but also beyond this, I think it is really wrong to describe this or to compare it to some of the totally you know, unregulated mm -hmm. and uncontrolled market. You, know? you don't control the drug deals. Mm -hmm. But you do control the art rate, you know, very, very carefully on many accounts. You know, it's like Germany is the last country which now is kind of implementing a law um, about the way art can travel. You know, it was the last country where you could basically take out or take in artwork without any control. Now Germany also has this control. So I think in Europe we are really in a situation where. Um, there's a huge transparency about mm. which art is sold where and how does it move from A to B. Um, and I think it is right like this. I think we have to have a system which feels this is a very serious business also and, um, and people feel responsible for what mm. they do. And um, um, of course there are always possibilities, there are always loopholes like in any other field. But I think we are far away of being not clearly uh, mm -hmm. watched and uh, where we have a very, very clear understanding of um, what is possible and what is not. Sure. I think the article was written 
um, very much within the context of the deregulated financial markets and the, the notion of the free market and the free exchange. And I think the the controls that we have, once again, it creates the context and the provenance, doesn't it? That sort of so we go back to the Joseph Boyce that you see in the context that it's there. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. And no, because you know it is really very clear. You know, we have like I don't think of any gallery of a certain of a certain size is not constantly really watched. You know, and there's absolutely no transaction you can do. Uh, which used to be possible, you know, any amount being paid for art is has to be traced. Mm-hmm. So this, this is not possible anymore. It used to be possible that amounts would arrive from a Swiss account and it would say one of our clients, not revealing the name. All of this is gone and right so. I think yeah. we're in a situation today where we feel the auction house is the same. I think there's a huge transparency about mm-hmm. who is buying what. If people still use some cash, which I think it seems almost impossible. Mm-hmm. I think a big gallery, there's not even any part of the system left which would allow this. Maybe a small um, a small company who maybe has one or two persons who mm-hmm. kind of decide where there is still some fantasy of doing something on this kind of ground, but everything else is absolutely unthinkable because any work of art as soon as it arrives in a kind of bigger structure is archived and you know and you cannot get outside you cannot have a piece of art disappear it just there is no space for this Mm -hmm. left and it's good like this you know i think i'm really i'm really speaking up against this strange reputation Mm. No, that's good. I think I, I probably was very uncritical when I read that article. It's good. It, it, it no, I think it is, it is often said so, but really by people who do not understand the market, mm. who are not part of the art world, who don't understand yes. how complicated it is, how much due diligence everybody, mm. a gallery, an auction house, any art dealer has to do. Um, otherwise, he immediately has a problem with the authorities. and. So I think we are in a very, very clear, measured space. And now uh, we want to welcome two people whom you probably know, but two people whose art exhibition this year in London had a bigger impact than any other art exhibition, certainly, and whose philosophy about life and art fascinates a lot of people. Let's welcome now, please, Mr. John Lennon and Miss Yoko Ono. Beforehand. Now, what is this, is this? This is really the basis of what you're talking about, isn't it? You are here. It's that show, yeah. Now, what what exactly does it mean? You well, are here. Uh, you are here. Well, instead of Churro uh, was there or something, you know, usually people think in the vicarious terms that they think, well, somebody's there, John Lennon's there, somebody. But it's not that you are the one who's here. And so in, in art, usually artists give something that's an object, made object, and say, this is art, you know. But instead of that, art exists in people, people's art. And so um, we don't believe in just uh, making something and completing it and giving it to people, but we like uh, people to participate and uh, yeah. sort of all the pieces are unfinished yeah. and they have to be finished now, by now, people. Now, we've, 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 what have we got here? You were pointing at this as you were explaining that, Yoko. Yes. Tell us about this. It's what, a broken cup? Well, right? it's just an example, but this is uh, supposed to be a sculpture and it's a broken cup and uh, an unfinished sculpture that would be just made by people just gradually uh, rebuilding it into a cup. 
Oh, well, and is the sculpture then the, the broken cup or the way people rebuild it with well, the thing is, there's no such thing as sculpture or art and it's just it's just a bit of it's just words you know mm -hmm. uh, she's saying everything is art and we're all art art is just a tag like a journalist tag you know but artists believe it and that sculpture is anything you, know, you care to name it's, it's this is sculpture or sitting here this is a happening yeah. we are here I don't think it this is right. art yeah but I mean so I mean if you gave that to a child he wouldn't have any preconceived ideas so you wouldn't have to say this is sculpture or this is a broken cup you'd say there's that there's glue what do you do you stick it together and it's like your question I think you can say that this is just a process of art or a process of things and everything is just a process can you show us? We haven't got the uh, the you are here uh, canvas. No. Canvas because well, the it's point about that was covered and no one could get at it. Yeah. Can well, we let bring me... on the blackboard mm -hmm. and the other thing? Now, it's better to explain why it was on canvas first. Yes. The right. point was I had this idea that, like you know, the street maps or things that say uh, where where a place is. You are here, you know, on those street map things. You've seen them? Yes. Right. So I thought, oh, that'd be a good idea to have a show where you actually have the street map inside the gallery. And you went in and saw that. So I thought, now, if I did that, uh, and seeing as I've never done it before, and they've all got preconceived ideas about what I am, I thought, ha-ha, I'll put it on canvas, and that makes it art brackets or inverted <laughs> commas. You know, I mean, it is or it isn't, however you like it. So I put it on a big white round canvas and just had you are here that I'd written on it. And uh, the point of the show was people went through various things to get to the thing, to the canvas, and then they reacted to it. And some of them just thought, oh yeah, you know, no, no hang up, you are here. And they got a badge. I had a hat saying for the artist, which they put money in or chewing or any, all sorts of rubbish and that. Anything, I didn't mind. And then they took a badge. But I filmed them secretly with a candid camera team and sometimes they go, so they put something in or they take them then they take a badge and they look around and they take a handful. <laughs> And there's all these amazing reactions. The whole point of the show was that was the art, that was the, the happening of these people reacting to it. Some people who are sort of less hung up just sort of accept it. Oh, you are here, good joke, or oh, so what? And do you want people to uh, look and receive things and just look at this sort of thing, or do you want them really to get involved? Well, they do participate as soon as they look at it. You see, now if you show it to a child, he'll just either take no notice of it because he knows he's here or he'll just say oh you, you are here you know it's just written on the wall or in the toilet and uh, the film that you're gonna show is the same thing if you show a child a film there's no preconceived ideas about what a film should be but most adults have all this preconception now, about what everything is yeah. now can we in that yeah. illustration show the film now without saying anything in advance yeah, sure, about it? Sure. right let's just watch a bit of this film okay. and then let's see what your reactions are to it we didn't bring the soundtrack because we lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever a soundtrack? Oh, there is a soundtrack, yeah. We haven't put it on yet. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, any sound is sound. This it? sound will do. This sound know. is right. This, this, this is, is all right, is it? Yeah, yeah. Our sound is okay. Yeah. It's still, now, it's still going on, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it goes on for an hour. <laughs> But the point is, uh, it's her film, I'll explain what I think about it. The point is uh, that it's a portrait, you know, and if, uh, if Renoir or any of those people had made a portrait of just somebody's face that never moves and just hangs on the wall, you accept it, because it, uh, people are used to that. But this is a portrait on film. Well, also, well, okay, let yeah. me say that, oh, baby, okay. you'd have done it. So there's three minutes of film 
that was yeah. taken and spaced out to last an hour, very slow motion. Yeah. So in an hour, in three minutes, a lot happens to somebody's face, anybody's face. Mm. A lot of amazing things happens, a lot of movement that you never realize goes on. And in this, you've got three minutes under a microscope to examine anybody's face, your own. You can't be bothered sitting there for an hour, look at your own face. And amazing things happen. Your whole head changes shape, mm. your nose is moving, every part of you is moving all the time, which is known. But you're not aware of this in everyday life. But in that film, you can see it. Mm. And when we showed it to her daughter, she just said, oh, look, his nose is moving. John has a oh, nose moving. But show it to somebody else and say, well, uh, a film about a face for an hour. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just the face. It's the, as John said, it's moving. And it's just that wavelength coming into you. It's like a vibration. What do you want? What do you want? We, I mean, now, we only saw uh, one minute there of a 90-minute of a film, right? Yes. Uh, but, but what do you want our reaction to be? Well, I don't expect uh, any particular reaction, except that I was thinking as a portrait. Well, um, if you have a portrait in your house or something, that you always will think that it's there, and it's in your mind, so to speak. And one day you see the portrait again, and it just suddenly winks at you or something. And it sort of gives you a, a message. And uh, th this film goes on like that, but at one point, John just sort of smiles, and that's the vibration that comes across. What vibration? What do you mean by vibration? Um, a message. I think just smiling is a nicer message than um, scorning something like that. The vibration is uh, if somebody happy, if we're sitting in your house or something and we're feeling depressed, and somebody who doesn't feel depressed can come in and cheer us up just by his vibration or his attitude, presence, whatever, it, his presence. Or that. Uh, if you say words, uh, something happens, it just doesn't drop onto the floor or something. It's like radio waves. Whatever I'm saying now goes on ad infinitum, wherever it goes, because it's a it's a, a waveform or a pattern. Mm -hmm. You know, it sets up a vibration. So everything you do or think does this too. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't just end here. It if you, it's like throwing a stone into water. Something happens, mm -hmm. and every time you speak, it goes. The, the vibration you set up with your voice goes on mm -hmm. till it wears out or whatever and if you make a sound if you if you hit a gong and listen to it it goes Doom. but it doesn't end when you can't hear it anymore it carries on the vibration is something that we could have between us with there's vibrations in here can you get a vibration from well there is one these 200 people there is a vibration now it's not uh you can't you'd have to be super sensitive to read the whole thing as well but what you can tell that it's, there's no it's not aggressive vibration it's it's not over antagonistic. It's it's uh, interested, but still uh, we're still a bit freaky because it's us still on TV. So there's, there's that vibration. But there's a vib a calm vibration here and a hot one. There is a vibration. You know, there's an atmosphere and vibration is just the word you say. Ah, oh, hippies. No, that's what they thought. The vibration is just vibration. Yeah, and, and you mean, in fact, that, that as they're interested and a bit puzzled, you're saying, our uh, 200 here. And, but, but, I mean, you, you, the vibration would change as you convince them. Not only that, but if they participate. In other words, as long as you participate in it, then you start to experience it, it yourself. Well, let's get them to participate, because uh, you've got a... You've got a piece yeah. of wood here. Now tell us about the piece of wood in the nail. Oh, you tell them about it. I'll hang it up. Yes. You tell us well, about it. Well, it's a, a painting called Hammer Nailing. And I just hate the idea of painters just uh, making a uh, painting with the color balance and the light texture, etc., etc. But this is just a painting that uh, people come and uh, hammer nailing whenever they want to. And that makes the shape of the painting. 
I see. And, and, and what do we want the people to feel as they do it? Well, they just have to find out for themselves. You know, it's just an experience. Mm. And um, I think, you know, basically, the, uh, the artist's role in fact is extremely important in the sense that, uh, um, well, now people are talking about revolution and things like that. Now, basically, I don't believe in re revolution because they say, well, revolution, if uh, nothing happens, then we have to use violence too and all that. And the thing is, if we just go on uh, making all these rituals and folk art and participating in that instead of... Violence? You, instead you mean, of violence, yes. What you mean is let them, uh, as it were, bang an alien rather than blow up oh, a city? Oh, let's say that's therapeutic or, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. it well, matter. look, John, can we... Uh, yeah. Would you like to get someone in the in on TV. <laughs> That's more accurate, yes. Yeah. Well caught. Well caught. But the, uh, but I mean, what, uh, just put the hat out for a collection. <laughs> right. For artists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a bit of a tax problem. <laughs> now, did the, f the first people presumably responded as they were, they ought to have responded to, and I was just a prosaic 
Barry Bucknell. But, but I, I mean, mean either way, it's fine. You know. But I mean, either well, way, it's fine. The thing yeah. is to what? Get people involved and get them to do things. Yeah. Well, ask her, because that's her bit, really. Yeah, but it's I'll ask you, because it's your bit. <laughs> well, I mean, that particular one is mine. But you see, for instance, this piece here, it's called Built Around It, as you can see. This is by John. And, um, you see, that's why I was saying that I've learned a lot from John because um, I was doing all these instruction pieces to make people get involved in it and everything. And then he suddenly one day said, why don't you um, use this as a piece and call it uh, Build Around It. And uh, it's also an instruction piece to let people do something to it. But the idea is that most art, you know, people are more, so artists are interested in destructive things, you know, to destroy the establishment, etc. And we never thought of something like just uh, keeping this as is and building around it. You know, the concept was so beautiful. And so I said, well, that's your piece, so why don't we do a group show, you know? And I was just going to do one show then, so I asked John to participate in that. Well, in fact, because this is interesting, the thing with the nails, for instance, mm. it was banging the nail in that the two of you first found that you agreed on art. And mm. Oh yeah, well I went. To, uh, well, that's her version. <laughs> she was having a show at this gallery. Uh, I knew the fellow that ran it, so it wasn't. It's a bit embarrassing being a beetle anyway, going into a shop. Never mind going into a gallery because they have a all leap on you, thinking, oh, here's another mug, you know, like a Texan. He'll buy anything. <laughs> and I had a bit of a hang up about art too, having been to art school and dis dislike the sort of attitude of the so called artist, you know. So anyway, I finally got to this show. And uh, she had all these things on, like all these like hammer nail things, and on that clock there, where you listen to it to a st stethoscope. All the things, and at first I reacted like uh, like a mug, you know, like the ones that they were saying they don't get a badge, you know. I was thinking, ah, haha, don't fool me with all this junk, you know. So then there was this ladder and a thing on the ceiling. So I climbed the ladder, and on the ceiling it said, yes. You see, so I thought, oh, I agreed then. It's okay, you know. I mean, it's like those jokes, uh, while you're looking at here, you're dribbling down your trousers. And that I mean, it's all sort of connected. I mean, people get a buzz out of that in the in the toilet, but if you put it on in a, a room, it upsets them a bit because they, they've got preconceived ideas about where those messages should be. If it said yes, and if it had said no, well, I would have carried on with my preconceived ideas about art and artists, you know, that they're all sort of, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but he said yes, and that was enough, you know. And then she came up and said, uh, she didn't know who I was, and was saying, do, do you like to hammer a nail in? It's five shillings. <laughs> so I said, uh, I didn't have any money. So I said, I'll hammer an imaginary nail in. I'll give you an imaginary five shillings. And she agreed to that. She accepted that <laughs> on the same basis as we accept her work. You know, I'd accepted her work, and that was that was how we met, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the thing is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nee, 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 nee. Nee, 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 nee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nee, 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 nee. Nee, 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 nee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nee, 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 nee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nee, 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 nee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nee, 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 nee. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
ねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやいやねえねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやねえねえねえねえねえねえいやいやいやいやいやいや It's going back, I think that attitude, maybe the attitude I bring to that comes from London where there is a great deal more cynicism. It's, I'm, I'm speaking really soon with Nicholas uh, Logsdale. Listen, um, um, his, his history once again, he has a very similar cachet as you perhaps in the, the conceptual work, art and language. Sure, of course, of course. Very, very important place. Yes. Whereas you have other galleries like um, you know, white cube and things like that. I'd be very, I'm very cautious of, of galleries white, of like white cube. It seemed to be part of a, a drive and a direction, but that's, you know, that's, that's personal stuff coming in perhaps. This organization um, I was talking about a month ago, I went to see Art Angel mm-hmm. and um, in the conversation we had, I was almost like a fan again because some of the greatest works that they've created aren't interesting. True, absolutely. No, no, institution outside. So for, for, with Resonance, we, as, an, as a radio station, we're supported by the Arts Council and everyone works for nothing. We're kind of at that level. And, and this end of the art market is... The very early years of Freeze, we always used to have a stand at the, but we don't do that anymore because at first it was free and they wanted us to pay. We don't pay. <laughs> it's interesting. But should we, should we leave it there for now? Just mm-hmm. tell me maybe a little, the future, what's happening in the future? Are you growing more? Are you comfortable where you are? You know, today I think there's always uh, the urge to grow because the world grows and yeah. the art world existed for many many years between Europe and America and this is the way I would have made a description of my program American art European art today doesn't exist anymore I think the world has no limits there is um, art produced as we know and this was always the case everywhere mm-hmm. and there is also an appetite for art everywhere so to participate in this kind of uh, development you have to grow and you have to be more ambitious and at one point here in Paris I had this gallery which is already one of the bigger spaces in Paris for many years you know we have a 
1,000 square meter here in this building over several floors. But still I felt I need another space to kind of grow with the artists' ambitions also to, to give them an unlimited mm -hmm. space in terms of weight, in terms of size and this is the reason we opened this huge space which is 5,000 square meters, you know, several halls in the north of Paris. And because we felt, you know, this space here, as beautiful as it is, limits artists mm -hmm. in their ideas. And, uh, so, and, and, and it was a great journey to have this space. In the beginning people said, my God, this is a big risk to open this in this part of Paris where people do not go to see art. Um, in the meantime, we knew it was the right thing to do and we are happy with what we have achieved there. Um, but of course it would be maybe not right to say we leave it here. And so I think we will announce very soon our next step and it's wow. very exciting. I cannot say it now, okay. but yeah. we will soon and um, uh, it's a good next step. Interesting, okay. And um, one other thing I completely forgot, as you talk about the globalization, China. What, what, what's the, I, I uh, China is, it's, it's an important part of the art world now. It's mm. a huge pool of new artists. Um, we never really participated so much in this. We are more on the other side, promoting our artists, mainly European artists, in China and organizing exhibitions for them. Um, Chinese collectors are learning very fast and um, are really trying to educate themselves, you know, on on the level to really understand the way Europeans look at the painting mm -hmm. and still not forgetting their roots. So I think it's an exciting part of the art world now, the way it is collected, the way art is shown, the way art is written about it. Um, and it is still different and I hope it will stay like this. Exciting. Okay. Tadeus, thank you very much. Let's just leave it that. Mm -hmm. As always, talk forever. But let's leave it there. Yeah. And right. I shall press this button. Hi, hi, hi. You have been listening to Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. Today I was in conversation with Austrian gallerist Tadeusz Ropak. If you want details of today's episode of Isotopica, you can find it on my website being www.theculture.net. Coming up next on Resonance FM is Carol Feiner and next week on Isotopica, quite possibly, I shall be in conversation with Zelda Cheetle where I shall be discussing one of the other major problematic areas of my artwork apart from the commercial side being photography. That always throws up a huge question mark for me for very many reasons. Hope you enjoyed today's show, everyone. Pin back your ears for the rest of Resonance 104.4 FM. Stay tuned. This is repeated at various times. Hashtag Isotopica on Twitter if you want to get involved. This is me, Simon, signing off for another seven days. Beep, beep. Bye for now. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform that relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.